0: It's a lot, isn't it? Another week of It's a Lot with Abby Chatfield. Um, so today, uh, for those of you who followed me on Instagram or who saw this, you may know that um, I had a few things um, fall out this week. Um, not in like a friendship way, <laughs> but I just had, um, I had three episode recordings lined up. One was supposed to be with my girlfriends one was supposed to be with, um, two other guests that I'm really excited about, but that it's ended up not lining up because of COVID and work and restrictions and people being sick. And yeah, it was all for reasons. We're going to, we're going to record them again soon, but I didn't get them done in time for, um, the release of this episode. So we're going to do a solo episode again, but we're in luck because I've actually had a lot of thoughts during COVID, um. Obviously, I live alone now, but the past week has probably been the hardest for me. I posted on my Instagram about this. Um, it's like getting—it's getting very hard now. Like it's getting very difficult. I am, if I'm being brutally honest, and I really, I—it's so sweet when people DM me saying Are you okay. It's so sweet when I get you know messages on Facebook or posts on Facebook, and I really appreciate it when people ask I'm okay but I'm not saying this for attention I've you know I, I know how to handle my mental health I have friends that I have talked about these things so it's fine and you're so sweet if you want to reach out to me but um I have got a handle on it I'm just saying it maybe in case one of you can relate to me but so living alone is a really strange thing and it's just the first time in my life I haven't either lived with my mum or uh, my sister or um roommates um, and or with uh, 28 other women in a bachelor mansion and it's just really, it's a weird time to be living alone for the first time. I've worked from home for about six months now anyway so my my schedule hasn't really changed except I don't go out as much and to be quite frank, I don't really like going out. Like my friends know this, one of my friends the other day said that she thinks that the best time we've had has been on FaceTime having wines by, you know, at home, just chatting. And I'm like, yeah, babe, it's a point the whole time. (laughs) But, you know, nothing's really tangibly changed me, but things have gotten really hard the past week. Um, I seem to be dissociating quite a bit. I would say 80% of the time, 80% of the time. Um, So for those of you who don't know, um, dissociating, as far as I understand, I'm sure there, you know, I could get this wrong. I'm not a psychologist. This is just what my psych has told me and what I've learned from listening to podcasts and talking to other friends with mental health issues. But for me, like dissociation, what I'm trying to describe is, it mightn't be the right word even, but is when like I have quite bad anxiety. I have depression, but it doesn't really – flare its head that much but when I'm depressed I'm fucking depressed <laughs> but right now my anxiety is really really getting to me and I have this underlying hum of things not being right things don't really feel right it's like a menacing hum um and that's caused me to dissociate so I don't really feel like the reality that I'm in is um accurate um not in a hallucinating way, not in a, she's going crazy, just in like a, okay, let me say it like this. It's not like I'm saying like life is a dream. It's like, yeah, like this is reality, but like it could be a dream. Th- things, things may not be real, but they are, but they also may not be. It's like this little like thing in the back of my head and it's like, but it might be. So I'm struggling with that a lot this week. Ex-boyfriend that I love and I are not not going very well. Um, He, I don't know how much I want to say on here. um, You guys ask all the time why we broke up. All the time. And we've broken up many times over three and a half years. And uh, one of the main reasons is... Because he struggles to put in effort where it's where it's needed. And that's happening right now. And I don't think we're gonna be speaking again. Cause I'm done with it. Um and yeah. I I don't know, I don't know how to explain it to you guys because it needs to have this whole thing. I promise you, um, in a few months or in a year, I'll explain the whole I'll have a whole episode on him. I'll literally go start to finish. I won't hold back. But I also know that people listen to this that know him. And ask him about the podcast and I just, it makes me feel uncomfortable and weird. People in Brisbane knowing his intimate stuff, whether or not I'm in the wrong or he's in the wrong. I just don't want people to know what's going on with us because we've always been quite a private couple. Like could never post it on Instagram or anything. So it's just, I don't know if I want to share our dirty laundry just yet. I will eventually. Um but, yeah, so things aren't going well with that. It makes me very sad because I feel like after three and a half years I've put in all this effort and now it's just kind of dissolving into nothing and it's during isolation. So during ISO I've moved into a house by myself and essentially gone through a relationship ending. You guys can figure out if that is a romantic relationship or not, but i mean like a friendship, relationship, whatever. <sighs> It's just rough very rough um and I don't know maybe if I talk about this you guys can feel the same way like I don't know I've had a few of you say that you've noticed that I've been talking about my anxiety and depression a lot on Instagram and like yeah I am and that's partly because I think people people are um feeling it more I think it's also the fear that of going back to normal so I went to Chermside in Brisbane for my Brisbane girls. It's like a Westfield. I went to Chermside a couple of days ago. God, who knows when? Every day is the same thing. But after the restrictions got lifted because I wanted to go into Mecca to get some um, spot dots. They're really good, by the way. If you ever going to get some little spot dots, get them. But I was going to get some spot dots because I needed some and I just wanted to go get my groceries at like a big shopping centre because I just wanted to leave the house. Um. So I, I ventured out, sat hand sanitizer in my bum bag, ready to go, ready to roll, excited for the whole new world of going into Chermside. And I it was fucking awful, to be quite frank. It reminded me very much of the feeling that I had after I got back from uh, filming The Bachelor And I imagine that's what a lot of people are going to be feeling when they eventually do go back into shopping centers, when they are fully open. When in a year or so we have, um, festivals and, you know, events with with a large amount of people, I think people that have anxiety or predisposition to mental health issues will really struggle. So, um, after the bachelor, obviously I was filming for three months and I don't, I I don't think it's spoken about, um, how much that experience can take a toll on your mental health. Not that they're awful to you, not that you get treated poorly, nothing like that. It's just like quarantine. You have to adjust to a new normal. And in doing that, you don't realise the difference. You don't realise the contrast, I guess, in your real normal life and your new normal. So, you know, I said on Instagram a few weeks ago when this all first started, the first two or three weeks is really hard. Then after that it gets easier. And I think we're up to about day 60 now. And people seem to be getting better. People seem to be settling into it. A lot of the podcasts I listen to are saying that it's easy to deal with. But now we have on the horizon the opportunity to go back to normal a little bit, which is amazing and it's what we've wanted the entire time. And this is how I felt at the end of filming. I was like – Okay, you know, I didn't get mapped, but I, I'm on my way home. I can go back to normal life and I was so excited. But then I went to Chermside again. Lol, must be my breakthrough place. <laughs> I went to Chermside again after The Bachelor and I my hair, was, my hair was wet. I looked so bad and I was so unwell. This is the day after I got home from filming. Oh, oh, God, ex-boyfriend that I love is calling me. Please hold. Oh, God, we're back. All right. That was like a nine-minute conversation. Oh, God. Wish I could tell you guys what happened. Anyway, I poured myself a glass of wine in the meantime. But, oh, yeah, my nice Pinot Noir. But, yeah, so I was at Champs. I was super anxious. And I, like, saw someone from high school who's so lovely and she was working at Chic. And I went and I was like, I was on The Bachelor. And then she was lovely, it was all good, but it was really overwhelming. And I felt like I was, like, overcome with, like, too much stimulus. And, like, I felt for the first time in my life that I was, like, socially anxious. I'm not a very socially anxious person. I'm a very anxious person person, and that makes me not – maybe enjoy socializing as much, but it isn't a fear of people or crowds. I don't know if that makes sense or if that is social anxiety, but that's just how I see it. And that feeling was like, I didn't have a panic attack, but it was very, very close to, and it was extreme dissociation. And that's what happened when I went back to Chermside this time, a year later, pretty much actually. And It's awful and I understand it because we've readjusted now to a whole new version of normal but we have to go back and things that may seem like, you know, people are going to be excited about certain things. I was excited to go to Chermside regardless of the fact that I was anxious but it's going to be a readjustment and we've just gotten back to normal normal. Sorry, we just got back to our new normal so then we have to Again, do a full 180 and then go back to um, our old oh normal. And it was so fast. I was expecting this to happen in six, eight months. And here we are. Here we bloody are. Five weeks later, my friends are getting their jobs back. It's wonderful. Like, it's it's really wonderful. Australia's done such a good job. And I was so fearful at side of this, but Jesus fuck, now we have to adjust to a whole other issue. So if you're getting anxious about, oh God, anything right now, I think, I think it may have something to do with the fact that we've been kind of confronted with this new reality where it's not quite normal, is it? But it's, but it's normal. And it's, and we're on, our, on the right track back. At least we aren't in America. At least we aren't in the UK. I'm sorry for my UK and American listeners. I do have a few, which is really exciting. Um, but, yeah, it's just – it's bizarre. Um, and I just hope that anyone that's feeling weird, that could be a reason why. I also got a few DMs from people and I really should have read the articles, but you know what? I didn't because I had a um, – I had a – uh, um, a look. I was gonna pretend that I ha- I was doing things last week, but you know what I was? I was anxious and could not work. And didn't enjoy the time off, didn't enjoy the break, just was sat there being anxious, scrolling through TikTok, just anxious, just anxious, just just, just feeling guilty about all the work that I had to do but not doing it. No, 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 no. Anxiety. She's a cruel mistress. She would not let me do that work. She forced me to sit in front of the TV and think about the fact that, you know, someone I've loved for so long and I aren't speaking. And um, also... That I live alone and I feel, oh, not lonely. I just feel out of it. Um, And I may not see, you know, Christabel for a while and this is my life now. But, oh, what the fuck was I saying? It's, I just, I just think. There's going to be a whole other wave of people feeling really, really, really Oh, that's what I was saying. (laughs) Oh, sorry, guys. See, this is what happens when I'm anxious. I have a very short attention span. What I was saying was I should have read these articles people sent me about a third week or a third wall or something of of, uh, quarantine. And I think it's so true. We've gotten through the shock. We've, you know, the novelties worn off. I thought it was a good novelty, but it's kind of like, okay, let's try and navigate this new world. Then there was a time where it was like, okay, we're settling in. This is my new routine. And now it's sort of like, okay, wh- what do we do now? And what we do now is try to go back into how we were five weeks ago seamlessly, which is almost important. So almost impossible, sorry. So just if you're feeling guilty about not feeling good about quarantine ending, even though we know it's a logically good thing, but it still is something wrong here. I don't think you should feel bad and you're not alone because I feel the same way. If I'm the only person that feels this way, I'm sorry. Um, I've just gone on a rant and you've just had a little peeky peek into my very, um, I wouldn't say bizarre mind, just my very, my overthinking mind. But I'm sure there's someone out there that feels the same way. All right, let's do some uh, Q&As. So usually we do like, fucking. I'll do five or six of these on a solo app. But I have a lot of things to talk to you guys about. And you know how usually it goes like intro, what's been a lot this week, discussion, Q&A, blah, 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 blah. No, we're going to do that with me. I'm my own guest. But there was one question that I that came into my uh, inbox that I really, really wanted to speak about because I spoke about it this week in the podcast group. If you haven't joined, go and join. Um. And I found it really interesting and I wanted to kind of speak about it because I think it's a really good um, talking point. So the question is as follows. Hi, Abby. Uh, Here is my question for all the feminist queens. And that was supposed to be for my friends, but, um, I mean, here I am. I could be the feminist queen to answer this, I guess. For context, recently I found out that I have HPV and have to get a biopsy. And while I know HPV is ridiculously common, it's hard to not feel like I did the wrong thing in the past and I keep beating myself up over it. Also, if you happen to be using people's names when you say the question, oh, yep. Yeah, no worries, babe. Would always keep you anonymous. I always keep people anonymous unless I ask to be spoken about, which like if you want credit, girls, let me know. But sometimes, you know. So when it comes to self I shaming, mean, this is something that I, I struggled with until – like, I still struggle with it a lot. Um, I have had STIs in the past. They were from a boyfriend, you can figure out who, who um, may not have been the most faithful person but, you know, things happen. I've never gotten mad at a person for giving me an STI. Because it's like, well, you wouldn't knowingly go around giving someone an STI if you do, you're a sociopath. Um, So, but when I've gotten STIs before, I've been like, I'm such a fucking idiot. And you do beat yourself up. You do. Um, But the way that I've thought about it and the way that I've heard described a lot that kind of helped me when it comes to STIs specifically is that if you get the flu, If you're at work and someone is irresponsible enough, and this is very apt, if someone is irresponsible enough to come into work when they have influenza A, not just like a cold, like the flu, and you sit next to them and you get the flu, that's not your fault. You don't think, oh, God, I should have not gone to work that day. Oh, I should have not spoken to that person. I should have, you know, sanitized my entire desk, which like in COVID times, yes, that's normal to think. But in normal times, guys, remember, it wasn't normal to think that. Um, You know, I should have worn a face mask. I should have, I should have protected myself. That's not what you think. And it's because there's this inherent shame around sex that we think, well, it's my fault. It's no one's fault unless the person knew they had HPV. But keep in mind, that person who got HPV or chlamydia or gonorrhea or herpes, they also got it from someone. So there was a time where if they knew, they've been as equally shocked as you and in the same position as you, or they most likely do not know. Because I don't think there are people that exist that would purposefully go around giving out STIs. There are people that absolutely absolutely, but I don't think that it's common for someone to be like, oh, I've got chlamydia, let me raw dog half of the world. Like that's not a thing. So yes, safe sex is important. Yes, yes, use condoms. But we can't sit here pretending that everyone uses a condom 100% of the time and we are 100% effective and we don't slip up sometimes and we also, can't sit here and pretend that condoms... There's a lot of conversation around condoms um, making sex better... Sorry, making sex worse for men, right? It's like, oh, well, the guy doesn't want to wear a condom. I also prefer sex without a condom. And I said this on Clementine Ford's podcast. There's all this conversation around, like, you know, men wearing condoms and why can't they just wrap it and blah, 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 blah. But that also... While that's true, if you ask someone to wear a condom, they absolutely should and you should be trying to wear condoms when you can if you're sleeping with um, new people regularly. You should at least be getting tested every time you fuck someone new. Don't fuck with me. But saying that it's only because of men's pleasure kind of is taking away yet again from the female narrative of pleasure. So I prefer to have sex without a condom and that's why I used to have sex with my boyfriends and I have had sex with people that I am newly fucking Without condoms. That's not how I got STIs. The for my from a boyfriend, but I took the risk, so I may as well have. So don't beat yourself up. This isn't something that you can be perfect in. It's very, it's very hard to be perfect all the time. And while we should endeavor to, absolutely, and that is the right thing to do both for yourself and for others to wear condoms, you had sex without a condom and you got an STI. You can't change it. Having a biopsy, that's awful. I'm so sorry. But don't feel shame around that. And and I don't think you'd be feeling the same shame if you had the flu. Now, when it comes to self-slut shaming in general, I'd like to touch on this. So someone posted in the group the other day about um, whether or not people have a list. And I found it such an interesting thread to read through because I used to have a list of people that I'd slept with. Um, from, it was in my notes on my like iPhone four. So like since I was like in grade 10, um, and I used to rate people and I was like, oh, I just, I keep it, um, to rate people. So I know not to fuck people that were bad, and like, yeah, lol, that was the reason. I also did keep it um, partly so that I would know who I'd have sex, who I'd had sex with, in case I did get an STI, and I could easily trace it back. That's a valid reason to have one. But I think for me personally, a huge reason was to hold myself accountable because I have slept with like, I don't know, I actually don't know how many people I've slept with. When I stopped counting, it was like like fifty. Like, cool, doesn't matter either way. That was. I don't even know when that was, when I stopped counting. But I kind of was internalizing the number thing. And when people would ask, how many people have you slept with? I would do this weird defensive thing where I'd be like, um, fucking probably like 400, it doesn't even matter. But I was self-conscious about it. And because I was such a staunch feminist, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but I was, I, I, it was weird. It was like a slut shaming and then I'd shame myself for slut shaming. So it was a, a a double down on the shame. That obviously filtered through to my sex life, and that probably is why I have kinks. So people call me a slut, but <laughs> um, I think this is a very common thing, and even for women who are liberated, um, sexually, I think they internalize their slut shaming, and that's why they make lists. Um, and like I said, a list is good for this is great for figuring out who you've slept with in case you get an STI or if you got pregnant or if, I don't know. Yeah, probably only the two reasons. Or, you know, if you just want to have one, that's fine. If you want to have one, that's fine. But I think I want everyone that does have a list to analyze exactly why they have the list. Are you holding yourself accountable or are you doing it purely for medical reasons? If it's the latter, leave it alone, like keep doing it. But if it's the former, just just think about it because so I think we all internalise slut shaming just like we internalise misogyny, just like we have to work through our own misogyny every day because we're brought up on this. It's like our bread and butter. Slut equals bad. Slut equals someone that sleeps lot little men. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really interesting. So to the girl who asked this question about uh, HPV, my advice—well, it's only an advice. My theology, and this might make you feel better, is that getting an STI is no more shameful than getting the flu. Um, yes, you could have taken precautions. You didn't. You can't beat yourself up about it for, forever. Um, in regards to internalized slut shaming, probably you have internalized slut shaming, but you got to just work through it. And you acknowledging that in itself is working through it. So proud of you. Love you. Let's do another question. All right. So I asked my Instagram, uh, a couple of questions, um, a question for your questions. And someone asked me one that I can answer pretty quickly. I don't know if this would be like a typical answer, but I think it's important to think about what's the best way to explain to a guy that they aren't intellectually stimulating enough, Bruh, you don't. You going explain to anyone they aren't intellectually stimulating enough. If I was dating a guy and he said to me, I don't want to date you anymore because I heard your podcast and I think you're too much. Just imagine that. While it's like, well yeah, like we probably aren't meant to be together because of that reason. I think it's kinder to just be like, I just, am looking, I'm just looking for something right now. This is a little bit too hard. It's not you. It's me. I don't have the emotional capacity. People may disagree with me on that, but I've heard it quite a few times on different advice podcasts to listen to. And I used to be like, Oh no, no, you should be honest with people all the time. But what does that person, what does that person benefit from you being honest you could you could tell little white lies and let them down nicely and say, I'm just listen, I just I'm you could even say, listen, I'm just not that into this. If you want to be a bit more towards honesty, you could say, listen, I just I'm looking for something different right now than what you're looking for. But I think if you say to him, Listen, you just aren't intellectually stimulating enough, that will damage that person's self-esteem for a very long time. And it's actually quite cruel, um, And it's not constructive either. It isn't like he's ignored you or he's treated you poorly and you've gone, you should improve in this way, this way, this way, this way, this way to have a successful relationship. This person isn't on the same wavelength as you, whether that's they have a different type of intellect to you, they have their, you know, book smart and you're straight smart, as the cliche goes. Or I just don't think it's beneficial to tell anyone something they can't really change. Um. Similar to how, you know, if someone has, um, if someone just isn't funny, right? Here we go. That's a good one. <laughs> Similarly to if someone just isn't funny, you just don't have the same sense of humor as them, right? Like I date guys I think are fucking funny. But my friends are often like they're not funny, dude. Or like other people may not find them funny. It's like, you know. Me telling someone, you're just not funny. You're not not funny enough for me. That They can't change a sense of humor. They're also not going to. So what do they get from that? I think don't be a dick and just, um, not that I'm saying you're a dick, but just, you know, just, just think of another reason or word it in a way that's like, I just think we're after different things right now. I just think I want different things out of a relationship than what you can provide. Um, because, yeah. I often just honestly, unless you've been dating for like, in a serious relationship, if you've gone on a few like COVID dates, just 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 be like, listen, I just don't think this is this is working out for me. I'm really sorry. If I ask why, just be like, I really don't think it'll help you to hear why. That could be bad advice, but I just think it's better to be. I think sometimes being kind and being um, sympathetic to someone's emotions and trying to figure out how you can better that person or not is more important than just being honest. Being honest is very important, but I think you can you can choose to not be brutally honest, to not be hurtful, you know. Little white lies, little white lies are okay. They're so okay. All right. So the next thing I want to speak about, this is my discussion section of the podcast. I have two topics that I would really like to speak about. Um, And the first is I posted on my Instagram about – this will be a quick one, but I posted about this tweet and it said, Sorry, but straight men being polyamorous or into BDSM is probably the least radical thing in the world and I am inherently suspicious of them all. For most of history, men were encouraged and sanctioned to both have more than one partner and to use violence against women. And I just put thoughts because I actually, I I read it and my initial response was my initial sex positive, defensive of the kink community, defensive of, um, BDSM culture and equating that with pure violence that I was like, no, but then I read it a few times more and I kind of thought, I, what the, the, what the actual tweet is saying is correct. Men have been encouraged and sanctioned to have more than one partner, while women have been forced forced have been only socially permitted to have one partner in their entire life, married, a virgin. In if we're going back, 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 back I mean the nineteen fifties. <laughs> Always men have been encouraged to cheat, and even now, like people, men men cheat. Men cheating is seen as more acceptable as women che- than women cheating. I think there's a new study done though that more women cheat than men, but don't quote me on that. But I think I heard that on a podcast I mean, America. Um a lot of you replied saying it's a total misconception of BDSM, and yet I agree. I think what is implied there is that BDSM equals pure violence. Um but I understand what is being said. So let's do it one more time. Being polyamorous or into BDSM is the least radical thing in the world. I agree with that part of the statement. I think it is 100% the least radical thing in the world. A man being into be polyamorous, which has been encouraged um, and is still encouraged today, which is fine, like being poly, great. We did a whole episode about open relationships. I don't think this is shaming either of these things. I think it's saying they aren't radical. Which is true, and being into BDSM, being into BDSM, men, there is still a pervasive culture of violence against women. Um, that does not equal BDSM, but oh god, I don't know, it's a fine line. I'm really this is why I ask for your thoughts because I really, I really struggled with it. Um, I think being inherently suspicious of guys that say straight up they're into BDSM, I think poly is a whole different thing. I think poly, we need to put that to the side because um, poly isn't being open and, and open isn't being monogamish. You know, they're different, they're different words. But I also am inherently suspicious of men that say they're into BDSM that I've just met. I don't discount their kinks. I don't think they're bad people. I ask them a few questions um, and to be quite frank, because I'm 24, turning 25 in a month, you are uh, a lot of the men that I sleep with are like early thirties or, you know, they're quite young relatively. So they'll be like, yeah, like I like to choke girls during sex and it's not BDSM. It's an aspect of BDSM, but wanting to slap me in the face during sex isn't really BDSM. Um, from my understanding and my experience, um, BDSM and a dom sub relationship is a lot to do with taking care of the sub and it is so consent based. It is so thought out. It is so considered. It is so, it's for the subs pleasure always and that is reinforced and that is evident in aftercare. So aftercare, for those who don't know, after you have a in a session with someone who is a dom, if you're a sub and the dom also gets some care, like some gentle care, it isn't just come over, tie me up, fuck me in the ass and then bye. There's aftercare if both parties want it to show that mutual respect and care for one another. It isn't just a random dude. is isn't just a Kyle taking you home, choking you, stuffing your ass. Um, unconsensually choking you and slapping your ass and then going, yeah, I fucking love, BDSM. That's Kyle taking out his anger against women. So that's that. Um, with that, I am going to get a DOM on the podcast and I will talk about this with him. Um and I just thought it was a really, really interesting thought. So if you have any thoughts about that, can you please add yourself into the podcast group if you aren't there already and have a discussion because I am on the fence. I understand one side of it. I understand the other side of it. I think it depends where this person came from. It depends if they are sex positive or if they're trying to shame BDSM. I think the intent is really important here. Now, the next thing I want to speak about. God, that's just almost rattling off topics. The next thing that I wanted to talk about was something that I posted about my Instagram and I got a fair bit of response. Um, Basically. Sips wine. I've been getting a few messages lately um, from people mainly, look, I'm going to say all women. It's all women. Could be men though. Men men will do it. I'm not going to discount a man from doing this, but it's mainly women. Saying that I can't be a feminist if I'm rude to other women. That is simply unequivocally incorrect. It is that is just it is just so incorrect. I think people who have a, a fundamental misunderstanding of feminism think that. They can say you aren't a feminist. You aren't actually a feminist because you were mean to that woman once, and they want to try and tear feminism down. They think they've done something there, but they haven't. Let me give you an example. So, someone commented on a photo of me, a video of me, um, where I was sitting in front of the mirror, and like I've gained, I've gained a little bit of weight. I don't mind gained a bit of weight. Still looking cute. My body's changing throughout COVID. I'm also getting a bit older. Um, I look cute. Like I have my body. But someone commented and said that – oh, God, let me get it up. You wish you had a body like Renee Herbert – lol but okay keep flaunting that and this is the best part quote unquote body body was in quotation marks get in the crystalline eh thing let's just dissect the initial comment so they said you wish you had a body like Renee Herbert I don't know who Renee Herbert is I had to click on her and I was like oh she's is she one of those twins cute she's hot gorgeous she's gorgeous don't know who she is, so I can't wish I had a body like her. Um, but keep flaunting that "quote unquote" body in this in this fucking post. I have a dress, a long sleeve dress on, so I'm not even like flaunting my body, really. Um, uh, I also can't wish that I had a body like anyone else because I physically cannot change my bone structure. I can't change the way that I put on weight. I also I do a lot of work mentally to purposefully not shame myself and not compare myself to other women. So that that comment alone is so damaging to other women who are looking at photos of me and being like, Abby has a good body and there are so many of you that are lovely that message me that. I also am a size 8, so I'm a conventionally – I'm a fucking – I hate saying this, but I'm a quote-unquote conventionally attractive size – fat phobic, a bullshit. But you know what I'm trying to say there. The bullshit that perpetuates throughout society. I'm in. I'm very, very solidly in that category, right? So I'm a size eight and this person is saying that I shouldn't flaunt my quote unquote body as if my body isn't real or is so disgusting that it needs quotation marks and I think that I want to look like Renee Herbert, no matter who she is. Anyway, I replied and I said, I don't know who that is. I don't wish I had a body like anyone. I don't wish I looked like anyone except for me when I'm healthy and happy. Imagine trying to pit strangers against each other because you're insecure and you want to project that insecurity into others. So obviously this person, that person wants to look like Renee Herbert and is just commenting saying, you want to look like Renee Herbert? No, I don't. I don't know who that is. I I've never mentioned that person in my life. Anyway, it continues. They replied and said, I just want you to be your healthiest. You can get more toned. The choice is yours. Hey, hey, Toned Ariana is her fucking Instagram name. How the fuck do you know if I'm healthy? Don't fucking Trojan horse me with some fat phobic bullshit saying that you want me to be at my healthiest and you're only looking out for me. It's that same fucking narrative that perpetuates throughout all of society saying that women who are bigger than a fucking size six are not healthy and everyone's just worried about them. No, you're not. No, you're fucking not. You're uncomfortable with women being happy in their bodies regardless of size, you fuckwit. Sorry, I'm getting a bit angry. <laughs> then some of you came in, defended me, love you all. I then replied, sorry, then I replied saying, there's no harm in saying someone can be healthier. Yeah, I could be healthier. I absolutely could be healthier. I also could not get joy from food, which is one of the main things bringing me joy right now during lockdown. I could... I could be healthier, I could exercise more, Um, I could, absolutely I could, but why the fuck do you care what I'm doing, I don't know who you are, you're a troll account, I have no idea who you are and when you're commenting things like that, every other woman who sees that, who is my size or any larger, which is most of the fucking population, they'll see that and think They may think I want to look like Renee Herbert, but they also will think, well, that person thinks Abby isn't attractive, so I can't be attractive. And this is the same issue that I had when there were all those comments on the Daily Mail article about me. This is the same issue that I continue to have when people tell me to Photoshop my photos, when people tell me that I'm I'm too big or that I was fat, and that's why... I know, I've gotten once that I was too fat for Matt and Chelsea's fitter and all this fucking bullshit of pitting women against each other. So I finally commented and I said, bro, I literally have abs, which I do, but it wouldn't matter if I didn't have fucking abs. You still shouldn't comment on body, but like it's just so confusing. Bro, I literally have abs. I don't know why the fuck you're commenting, but you're a cunt. (laughs) They are a cunt. Um, So that was the exchange that I had. Then... I fucking get a I got fucking two DMs. I know one person said I can't be a feminist. One person said she was disappointed in the fact that I had called someone a cunt. Um, and another person said that, hey, how do you call yourself a feminist if you're calling another woman a cunt? Um, because this person is a cunt and they're also perpetuating patriarchal standards. Sorry. They're perpetuating the pa- – They're perpetuating the the patriarchy and they're making me adhere to patriarchal standards of beauty. What the fuck are you talking about? That person is a cunt. I also do not owe them emotional labor in any way, shape or form. I shouldn't have to explain to them or educate them why that is wrong. They are commenting that and they know that is wrong. They know why that is wrong. They may not understand the, the depths of it. They may not understand the intricacies of it, but they know it's wrong on some level. 100%, 100%. 100%, 100%. So me commenting back, you're a cunt, is valid. And if you don't agree, if you would have handled it differently, that's fine. But this is how I handle and how I buy it back after being trolled for a fucking year straight. Imagine doing anything, like literally anything on the internet. And and I always get a response of someone being a contrarian. At the, at, at the best, a contrarian. At the worst, abusive So I'm over explaining calmly to people. I'm over being fucking meek and polite and nice. Not that I ever really am, but mm. I'm over being, being calm and educational and not being hysterical and not getting angry because women shouldn't be angry. They should just let everyone explain their points and let them listen. No, women have fucking listened for too long. I'm sick of this fucking narrative that women have to be polite we don't have to be polite. If someone is being rude to you, you have every right to say to them, you're being a dick, you're being a cunt. Cunt might have been an aggressive word, but I'm from Queensland. So that's kind of the same as being a dick. And they also were not being a cunt. Now, there was another comment on Facebook. Let me just get that up. I screenshotted it. Uh, punky, gorgeous, 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 punky. Um... They did an article about me and they called me a feminist icon. And some idiot, I'm not going to say idiot, some person, they weren't idiots, sorry, I would take that back. They weren't idiot. they just, I don't think they understand what their views are. She said, feminism is looking out for other women, not tearing them down. Saw a lot of that in her season. Yeah, by other women to me. I got bullied for three months during filming and then while it was airing. Then I replied saying, I'm sure if you're saying that I'm not a feminist because of what you saw on a TV show, but please point out a time in which I was tearing another woman down. Also, feminism is about dismantling the patriarchy and resolving the negative impacts of such a societal structure. Not about looking out for every individual woman unconditionally. I don't believe I was ever mean to anyone on The Bachelor, but I did turn up for myself and I continue to do so. So people, so many people, I'm sure you guys aren't actually listening to my podcast, but say that you were so mean to girls in the bachelor i would love someone to dm me a video of me being mean to someone I would, I would love it being mean saying something saying like oh that person's you know when i said kate was horrible she was being horrible to me i cried for seven hours after i interacted with her um it just it it's not it's not a, an accurate argument anyway i digress she then goes sure and all that stuff is great totally respect your abortion admission first of all it's not an admission it's not a secret um and not being ashamed of it i just think women should fight for the other women and not bring them down because if they are just seen to be uh competing with one another and tearing each other down it erases all the other work no it fucking doesn't the competitiveness and the jealousness is a function of the fucking patriarchy Sorry, I'm getting very angry at this, but it, just, it drives me crazy when people don't understand feminism and then come for me and it's like you aren't understanding what you're arguing. Women have been pitted against each other by men. By men. By the fact that our entire worth is on the validation of a man. Our entire worth is based on whether or not a man wants to fuck us and wife us. And we compete with each other because of that. So. If you haven't yet, guys, read Clementine Ford's "Fight Like a Girl." She has a whole section about this, and it's a it's an under it's a underlying theme, and it's really it's true. It's really true, and it, and it, it affects my everyday life now that I think about it. I then replied and said, "Can you name a specific instance in which I tore another woman down?" I actually spent the entire series defending myself from false claims, which I did. I never did anything mean. Jane goes, well, gosh, I didn't take notes in the series, but if you really want one example that didn't really promote the sisterhood, first of all, shut up. I guess running to a man to tell him what that other girl said about him is a bit catty. Didn't run to the man. I um, had a well thought out. I had three days to think out about um what was happening. I was being bullied in the mansion. I was crying every day because girls were being horrible to me after I kissed Matt, despite the fact that it was a dating show. I then told producers that Monique called him a dog cunt and um they were like, well, you got to tell him obviously for ratings. But I also agreed and I still agree to this day. If I were the Bachelorette, I would want to know if someone was calling me a dog cunt in the house. I would want to know. I then said, I wouldn't say that's catty. That's abiding by my moral code. If men were saying things like that about me and I with a bachelorette, I would want to know. That's not being mean. At worst, it's being a dobber, which I probably am. Well, I'm a huge dobber, by the way. I was raised by a teacher. I dob on everyone. I don't give a fuck. Don't trust me with your naughty secret. (laughs) I'm not a narc, but like if someone does something naughty, I like would dob in school. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. That's like my worst toxic trait is that I'm a dobber. And I was like, do you think Carlin was caddy for telling Angie about Jess in The Bachelorette or was he looking out for her? I was also unfairly targeted and bullied during the whole season. Was Ellie caddy when she told Matt about a feeling she had with no evidence? Was Sagant? When I told Matt what Monique said, I was proven to be true as per, I think, eight witnesses. And this is something that fucking, it just, it keeps going, is this perception that I was caddy for telling Monique, telling Matt about Monique. It wasn't caddy. Ellie did the same thing. No one seemed to care because she wasn't sexual. Sagan did the same thing. No one seemed to care because she wasn't – because everyone was just like, she's crazy, she's crazy. She wasn't a real contender in their eyes. It's a whole other conversation. Sagan and I find that, by the way. So I'm not having a go at Sagan. That's just how people saw her. But when Carlin did it, it was romantic. And it was. I think Carlin did the right thing. I love Carlin and Angie. I fucking love Carlin and Angie. I think they're great. But when I did it, it was catty. So who's tearing women down now? And that comment made me run on Instagram because I was like, I don't have to be nice to women who are being horrible to me because I'm a feminist. The sisterhood doesn't exist with women who I've known for three weeks who are bullying me to the point of me having sleeping pills all day so I am awake for only dinner. What? That happened two times where I was so sad. I would call my mum and I would sob on the phone. I would cry. I would cry every day during filming. Because of how isolated I was. The only girls who were nice to me were, there were probably like three or four of them. You guys saw all the editing. You guys saw all the complaints about me. Why the fuck could I be nice to people who are mean to me? I'm not here to be polite to people who are trying to tear me down. I'm not going to be a pushover because I'm a feminist. My goal as a feminist is to dismantle the patriarchy. The patriarchy negatively affects women, men and non-binary people and all other genders that there are. The patriarchy is the reason for the competitiveness and quote-unquote cattiness that you hate so much. The patriarchy is the reason that you think that I was catty and bitchy and mean for telling someone regardless of their gender that someone else called them a cunt when they're supposed to be dating them. But when you see a man do it, you think it's romantic and you don't have a comeback for that. You think that I'm being ridiculous and when I ask you for evidence of me being mean, you can't bring it. I... Don't owe anyone politeness. I, I say this time and time again. I never preach, guys, let's all be wholesome. Let's all be wholesome and nice. Just be nice, be nice person. My goal in life is to be a nice person. No, my goal in life, that can be a goal in life. That's great. Like I know so amazing people who are just nice. It is so fucking lovely. Chelsea is so lovely. She's so lovely. Genuinely a nice, gorgeous, gorgeous soul. And she wants to make the world a better place because she just wants to bring light and positivity and niceness and that's great. I'm trying to make a difference to the world by being confrontational and by talking about things that affect me and by standing up for myself and for other women and for men who are affected by the patriarchy. I'm not here to be polite. I'm not here to back down when someone's mean to me. And individual women do not automatically deserve my respect, trust, or politeness simply because they're a woman. Isn't that the whole issue that anti feminists have with feminism? That all you care about is women being right all the time. That's completely incorrect. There are I love women. I love women. I will always believe women that I know is true. I will always believe women about sexual assault until proven otherwise. I will always analyze my distaste of women, woman, whether or not it's because I am, you know, having internalized misogyny or I'm jealous of that woman, but I will not automatically support women. If I was going to do that, I would support Caitlin Bennett. If you guys know who that is, um, I would support Pauline Hansen. If I met Pauline Hansen, I would go toe to toe. If I met Caitlin Bennett, I would go off on her. You know why? Because they're perpetuating patriarchal structures and myths and they are harmful to society. They are reinforcing the patriarchy. They are not dismantling it. Women coming after me for being overly sexual are reinforcing the patriarchy, not dismantling it. Me calling people out for being rude on Instagram about my weight is dismantling the patriarchy. Someone commenting on my weight is reinforcing the patriarchy. It isn't that hard to understand. Patriarchy affects men and women and non-binary people for the millionth time. I'm going to try to do my best to help all of the genders, not just women. It's also okay to not like certain women just because you don't like them or get along with them. Don't be rude to them. Don't be mean to them. Don't shame them. But I've also seen a bit of rhetoric online on Reddit even saying, you know, you can't just dislike someone if you're a woman, if you're a feminist. You can. As long as you analyse why you don't like the person. Someone sent me a really, really beautiful quote. Um, her name was um Kira. I think it was Kira Murphy. And I wanted to read it out and I asked her if I could say her name because it was a really, really amazing DM that I got after I posted about women we nice to each other. And I wanted to leave it on this note. The enemy of feminism isn't men. It's patriarchy and patriarchy is not men. It's a system. And women can support the system of patriarchy just as men can support the fight for gender equality. And that was by Justine Musk. That is the fundamental core of understanding what feminism in is. Feminism is, sorry. She also sent me a second quote that was equally as relevant, that I found so, so great, that said, Stop teaching girls that being nice is more important than having a voice. And that is my entire uh, mantra. I'm not going to be nice to you if you're perpetuating a negative stereotype or the patriarchy or if you're being racist or transphobic or homophobic or anything like that. I'm going to try my best to make you shut up. And if if my way that day of telling you that what you're saying is wrong is calling you a cunt, I'm allowed to do that. Just as women of colour, people of colour don't need to explain why the fuck you're being racist, they don't owe you that emotional labour Women don't owe other women emotional labour as to why they are upholding patriarchal structures. It's great if you have the emotional labour, if you have the emotional ca- capacity. Yeah, do that if you have the capacity. But it's also pretty fucking easy to Google. Why is telling a woman she's fat sexist? Eh. All right, my final thing I want to talk about, and this is the um, the creme de la creme of my rant God, I'm very angry today, guys. I'm really sorry. I just – I mean, no, I'm not sorry. I've got to buy it. I'm a strong woman. I just – there's just so much going on. Um, so, okay. Someone, I'm not going to say their name because um, this person is uh, – uh, I don't know. They can't – I don't know. They have interesting views. Someone posted about uh, the COVID-19 conspiracy. (laughs) It makes me laugh so much. It's so fucking dumb. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And they posted this, um, this quote. Our government is now telling us that we can get the COVID-19 virus, recover from it, but still not be immune. However, simultaneously, they're telling us that a vaccine containing the same exact virus, the one they claim they still don't understand, is going to give us that immunity and make us safe. You don't need to be a scientist to see what's really going on here. Really, dude? Really? The last remaining brain cells have left the building. I'm not I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, I'm not I didn't do science past year 10. I'm not gonna sit here and explain viruses. I don't know. What I do know is the reason why they're saying we don't understand the virus, and that you can get the virus and you may not be immune is is simply because we don't have the fucking data. We're dealing with an international pandemic right now where there are tens of thousands of people dying daily internationally. We are in panic mode. This came on so quickly. This came on so fast. We don't know. This person also shared uh, a documentary called Plandemic, which I didn't bother watching because... You know why? I have better things to do. I'm also very busy with work, and I don't want to spend my time digesting conspiracy theories, particularly ones that have puns in their name. <laughs> like what? Ooh, pandemic! And I think that's honestly why a lot of people believe it because they're like, "Oh, it makes sense. Pandemic, pandemic. It makes sense. It's all coming together." And it's like, eh, sit, done." Um. So I listened to uh, – I recommend this podcast all the time. Also because I find the host wildly attractive. Um, Matt D'Lea is confused. Um, and he is doing a quarantine series. I recommended it um, a couple of weeks ago. And this – today's episode was episode 16 and he spoke about the pandemic. So if you want to hear someone analyse it really well, go listen to it. But basically he was saying like – the 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 basic theory of the pandemic documentary is that it's all a conspiracy with China and America, which like China and America don't fucking work together, bro. But it's right, let's say in theory they did. And they've created this virus. Okay. Okay. They've created this virus. And it's like, okay, well, what's the point of it? Oh, monetary gain. Okay, so how are you gonna make money from this virus? Well, they have a vaccine. Okay, so why aren't they selling the fucking vaccine then? Oh, because they're waiting for everyone to get it first. If we all get the fucking virus, we don't need a vaccine anymore. The time to release a vaccine was six weeks ago then you would have gotten premium. People would have paid anything for a vaccine. But they don't have a vaccine because it wasn't created in a lab. It was an evolutionary virus via bat in a wet market. Cross-species viruses happen all the time. Not all the time, but like a lot enough. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have certainly happened. This pandemic thing is fucking insanity. Um, Matt also said on his podcast, it's such a good podcast, guys, and like I know I recommend it all the time, but like it just makes me feel like I have someone who like thinks these people are as insane as I do. Because you go on the internet and you're like, is everyone this weird? No, they're not, don't worry. And he said, like, if you ever find yourself looking into a conspiracy theory and you think it's legit, look around the room and see who agrees with you. And the people that agree with this pandemic thing, as Matt said, are extremists and anti-vaxxers, flat-earthers, hardcore cons- QAnon people, hardcore conspiracy theorists. It's just, it's so daft. So the same person posted a photo and said, controversial question time. Okay. If they come up with a vaccine for COVID-19, would you get it? Yeah, dude, because I want to go back to normal life. I want to see my friends. I want to hug my grandma who's in a nursing home. I would take a vaccine. I also don't want people who are immunocompromised. Is that the right word? I don't know. not a scientist. I'm not going to claim to be. Um, I don't want them to die. I don't want people who are fit and healthy to die as they are in the US. The reason why people aren't dying in Australia um, that aren't elderly or immunocompromised is because we flatten the curve by social distancing as per government recommendations and World 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 Health Organization recommendations. So someone commented, and this person is a legend, they're like, what makes the yes people sheep and any less informed than you because this person calls everyone a sheep. This person said, I've never said a less informed. My opinion of people that get the flu shot and take antibiotics for the smallest thing are eating up what mainstream media are feeding everyone for and they are sheep. Okay. Um, people that take – people that get the flu shot are sheep, bro. Have you ever had influenza A? I have. I was in hospital. I thought I was going to die. I was so sick. I obviously, that's dramatic, but I, from my point of view, I've been so just sick in my entire life. It's awful. So now I get the flu shot every year. Haven't had the flu since. Antibiotics for the smallest thing. Yeah, absolutely. We shouldn't take antibiotics for something that doesn't need antibiotics. Absolutely. But um, if you have a, I know, Severe UTI or a, a kidney infection probably needs some antibiotics. you know why? because medicine works dude. Life expectancy has gone up from like 40 to like 80 in like a hundred years. Jesus fuck again, don't cry me on this I'm just I'm just ranting. Someone else commented and said, I'm really glad you've asked this question because it can lead to positive conversations, true however, I have a real problem with how you've been responding to the comments, absolutely to the people who have said no you've replied amen with a clap emoji but to people who have said they will get it even ones who spoke about research and needing proof you replied almost sarcastically unsure that's how you meant it but that's how it comes across and predominantly with a sheep emoji the sheep emoji kills me because it's like the conspiracy theorists like it's their reply when they have nothing else to say like, oh, you're just a fucking sheep. Yeah, dude. You know why? Don't want to get eaten by wolves, a.k.a. killed by coronavirus. <laughs> I'm a sheep. Yeah, I'll stay with my shepherd. Thank you. Thank you very much. My shepherd being just into Arden. Love her. Um, I understand you have a viewpoint and so does everyone, but as someone who has a decent following and states they are asking a controversial question, I think it could be – responding in a much more appropriate way and opening conversations and asking people about why they chose that and listening to their reasons rather than not acknowledging their opinion and putting a herd of sheep judgment on them then fucking gaslighting goes it's just an emoji, you don't read too much into it bro <laughs> how good is gaslighting people in writing and not realizing that you're doing it when someone questions you with a well thought out comment, and you reply is saying, "You're taking it the wrong way," you're calling everyone sheep, dude, and you're clapping emoji to people who were having hydrochloric a, a while whatever it is. He also said, "Oh, sorry." This person also said that. Under 100 people have died in Australia and they've all been elderly. Yep, true. You know why? Because we haven't let the the virus get out of control um, and we have the resources to take care of people that need it. In New York, there are 20-year-old, healthy 20-year-olds dying in a few days. While that is a point that I can make, there is also another point here. It's called fucking empathy. Hey, um, I don't want my grandma to fucking die from this. She's ninety-one and in a nursing home. Still a human, even though she's elderly. Saying that people that oh well that is elderly it doesn't matter. It does matter though, because I have families and they're also humans too. Someone who's 70 isn't that old. My mum's 62. My mum could get it and die. She's a teacher. I don't want her to die. She doesn't want me to die. She doesn't want her mother to die. There are also people who are young, um, people that I'm friends with who have issues with their immune system who will die if they get it. Just because they have immunity issues or – sorry, I don't know the correct term so I'm really sorry if I'm offending anyone but if they're um, vulnerable, vulnerable people. Still humans, you can't just say, oh, it's right though. If people who have died from this are old or like sick. Okay. Fucking yeah. And that's awful that they've died. And we've and we've and we've done a very good job in social distancing. Australia has also done a very good job in keeping out these conspiracy theorists. And now it's seeping over into Australia. And I'm very scared. I'm very, very scared. It's really, really damaging. It's really scary. And the fact that people with a platform talk about this and say it with such sarcasm and so, in such a, a a condescending way is really, really disappointing and it really concerns me. I also want to talk about people saying, well, you know, uh, you're more likely to die from suicide this year than you are from uh, coronavirus. Yep. A few things here. First and foremost, uh, the coronavirus is a uh, pandemic that is altering the way that we live our lives. It could affect anyone and everyone, regardless of health history, as we've seen in every other country. Um, It (laughs) also—I can't believe I'm having to explain this—a contagious virus that has a pretty much vertical curve internationally, not in Australia, but internationally in cases and deaths still two months in, three months in when it became really, really prevalent. Um, it's, gonna, it's increasing, dude. It's uncontained. That's scary. The amount of suicides a year is awful. I have been suicidal, I have attempted to commit suicide. But that isn't the same as a contagious disease. That isn't changing the way that we live. That isn't ruining economies. It's horrendous, but it's it's not the same. It's it's like comparing apples and oranges. It's a different kind of morbid, it's a different kind of horrible, horrible. Secondly, so what, we're supposed to just go out and like hang out with everyone and not really care about the virus? Um, when it comes to suicide, if we are going to use that as an example, um, <laughs> we and the government try to, there are maybe not arguably the, the best precautions in place, but there are resources that try to prevent suicide. For example, Lifeline. Lifeline is a reason why I didn't commit suicide because I saw a sign and I called Lifeline and they called an ambulance for me. There are preventative measures. There are people that go to psychologists. There are people that are on medication for their mental health issues that will lead to suicide. There are people who um, talk to their friends. There are people who have a support system around them. There are people who uh, have a better help out, people who meditate, do yoga. These are all ways to control the number of suicides that we have per year. This person also likened it to driving and said, well, if you're, if you're scared of dying, you shouldn't drive. Again, same thing. It's a pretty stagnant number of people that die on the roads each year. It's awful, horrible, horrible, horrible Uh, that isn't a spreading disease, an exponentially spreading disease that is changing the way of our our lives. Um, Road safety is increasing over time. We have better seatbelts, better airbags. We have rules in regards to not drinking and driving, rules in regards to being on your phone, rules in regards to speeding. Again, think of that as like the vaccine (laughs) to driving accidents. The medicine, the medicine may not work 100% of the time but it certainly minimises the numbers and we need that medicine. That medicine is a vaccine. It makes me so angry because it's just false information said with such earnest and it's always, it's always conspiracy theorists that believe this stuff. If you believe in a conspiracy, like, you know, flat earthers, they believe in a conspiracy and while it's ridiculous, to my knowledge it doesn't really hurt anyone. Like it's just a bit silly and people go, oh, God, and there's not really any logic to it and it's just like, oh, God, ignore the science then. This is damaging. I'm really terrified that there are going to be more and more protests around Australia and we're going to end up like America. Um, The protests in Sydney are – so embarrassing. Are they in Sydney, Melbourne? Melbourne, not in Brisbane, that's for sure. Um, everyone in Brisbane's way too scared to leave their houses. Um, but they chanting, kill, arrest Bill Gates. And I posted about this on my Instagram, and people reply, being like, he should be arrested. He's part of the conspiracy. He has far too much interest in the World Health, health Organization. Yeah, dude, because he he, yeah, he gives them money. You know why? Because he's philanthropic. Because he probably, he has billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions billions, 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 billions of dollars. And he's giving it away to help us, to help people. His motivation can't be financial because he has all the money in the world, like literally all the money in the world. So it can't be financial and he's given money away to do this. So what's his motivation, do you think? he wouldn't even think beyond the initial thought of, well, that person's a bad person. They confuse me. They intimidate me. This is a scary time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of an answer, of an enemy to hate. I choose Bill Gates. Why? Ah, uh, he's, he's trying to control us. Why? Ah, uh, no answer. No answer because there isn't an answer because he's not doing that. He's not doing that anyway, if you want more of these ranty episodes, let me know if you like them. I'm done. I've been ranting for, I think like an hour and 15 minutes now. That was a very aggressive episode. Next week will be lighter. Next week will be more fun. Um, I'll have different people on next week. It should be good. Um, but that was quite good for me as well. A bit cathartic. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're staying safe, sending lots and lots and lots of love to all of you. Um, Follow me on Instagram at It's a Lot Pod for the podcast. I need to post more on there. Also, follow me on Instagram, Abby Chatfield, and add yourself into the Facebook group It's a Lot with Abby Chatfield podcast group on Facebook. Bye. Bye. <laughs>